Cause corporate greed never dies. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Time to play. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've all gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the superfly space guy, Mac. Man, I really gotta get out of this body. The cowardly creeper, Ryan. Hiya. And the scream queen, Paris. Hey, sweets. This week, we're revisiting a tiny titan of horror by checking out an early 90s film with the tagline, Look Who's Stalking. Before we get down to business, though, we have some follow-up. Let's follow up on a movie. Okay, Ryan, you dodged a bullet this holiday season because we recently reviewed a Christmas-themed horror movie, Silent Night, Deadly Night. And actually, in a shocking turn of events, we didn't hate it. You'd be proud of us. You did just say that I dodged a bullet, so... Well, because it was seasonal horror, but this one actually wasn't that bad. All right, I I would like to go on record and say that although I have made it very clear how I feel about seasonal specific horror, I didn't miss this on purpose, okay? It just worked out that way. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, cough, cough. (laughs) No, literally, life did actually just work out that way. And that's okay. We wanted to hear what our listeners thought of this movie, however, and the results are in. It's actually pretty split. 56% gave it a hack and 44% gave it a slash. Which does make me feel like I, I may have missed a good one for once. Yeah, that actually is pretty good for a holiday horror movie, to be quite honest. Really surprising in the depths that it has, while also being still a little campy and silly. There were tons of gratuitous boobs, too, Ryan. I was just going to say I heard there was lots of boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one chick gets hung up on taxidermy with her boobs exposed. It's right up your alley. I think Chris told me too much boob. Yeah, I think all three of us ranked it as too much boob in yeah. the end of your episode. <laughs> Might have been perfect boob for you, though. No, no, no. I don't like it to be gratuitous. Tasteful boob is the right way to go. We do have some comments from our listeners. Rob said, this is a tough one to rate. There are a lot of things about it that I don't like, but also a lot of things that surprised me. I think overall, I have to give it a soft slash, which really echoes the sentiments that we had, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have another comment from Amber who said, it's a definite slash for me. Pure 80s horror and unintentionally funny at times. The grandfather in the beginning was way too intense. The rest of the franchise, though, is a resounding hack. Okay, I still want to watch the rest of the franchise, but we'll get there in time. Amber's looking out for us, though, with the, uh, she's like the harbinger of doom. Don't go, you'll get killed, or something like that. Don't watch that bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) We have one last comment from Brittany who said, The equation said it all. 80s plus holiday horror equals not a good time. It felt so dirty and disgusting, and I was too distracted by all the assault-fueled moments to enjoy this for one second. I can't and won't see the merit of a movie that is so degrading. Like Max said, there's a more appropriate way to show the intensity and darkness of a murderer if that's what they were going for. It just seemed like they wanted to see naked women suffer. Ugh. Broken record Britney over here, but misogyny is the real villain once again. The only points I will give this is for the antler kill. That one made me wince. Okay, maybe I didn't miss anything special. (laughs) I, I, okay. I, Ryan, you know how I am about that tone in movies, and even I was okay with it in a very specific light. You know what I mean? Like, it was definitely the worst part of the movie, but I think we've seen far worse that other people have slashed. So I think it's one of those that you're going to have to just see for yourself and see how it tastes in your mouth. Yeah, next Christmas, for sure. (laughs) It made some wretched choices, but it did a lot to counteract that. Mm -hmm. It was really a a 
close call for that movie. As per the results. Yes. And lastly, I'd like to give a shout out to two of our newest patrons, George and Jake. George and Jake, if you're listening to this episode, thank you so much for joining our family. We are so happy to have you in our midst. And we look forward to hearing from you in the future, perhaps on our hacker slash hotline. And that is our follow up. Well, this week's film looks at the final time we get a glimpse of serial Charles Lee Ray as a single man before he takes a bride in the next film. Spoiler alert. When we last visited this franchise, we saw a young Andy Barclay and his foster sister escaping the clutches of Charles in a factory. But this week, he's once again resurrected and on the hunt for Andy. This week, we're talking about Child's Play 3. Who's seen this one before? Surprise, surprise. I I haven't seen this movie. And I've never really cared much about a a Child's Play movie. So it's, it's an interesting look tonight to be in Child's Play 3, sharing my feelings. So I have not seen this movie, even though a scene at the end made me think, have I seen this movie? Uh, But I have seen the first two, of course, and it's famously one of the scarier movies to me. Something about Chucky really terrifies me and was like the fuel of all of my childhood nightmares. Really? Yeah, Ryan, something about like the way his little body moves just isn't right and isn't natural. Um, And it's always been something that's like really spooked me out. And I've also had like so many recurring nightmares where he's just chasing me and stabbing my family with a knife. Oh my God. Yeah, Yeah, there is absolutely nothing natural about a possessed doll. So it's like specifically the animation and like the way they puppet him around that I hate. I feel like his hair should really be the scariest part for you. In the mouth. (laughs) There's so much wrong. I feel like Peej would uh, definitely agree with you there. I mean, you don't mind other dolls, though, right? No, I famously hate dolls. Remember Brahms? Remember the Brahms oh, episode? Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, you like Daddy Brahms. I did, when he became a person. That's right. And maybe I would like Charles Lee Ray, but as Chucky, get the fuck out. <laughs> I have seen this one before. I think the last time I saw it was on the Sci-Fi Channel in the early 2000s. So it's been a little bit. Um, but I've seen this probably a couple times. I've seen just about every child's play and and chucky film the one that i haven't seen is in its entirety is cult of chucky Uh, i did also watch the tv series the whole chucky tv series and i really loved what they did with it and it's inspired me to go back and revisit things i was very close to re-watching bride of chucky and seed of chucky but remembered no we have to get to child's play three which is the last in this series of the franchise right this is the last one of just chucky on his own before we start getting into the really intense campiness of the rest of the films when chucky really finds his groove that being said it's been years since i've seen this i think i've mainly only seen it once or twice maybe when i was a kid so i was expecting it from my memory to be semi-mediocre it's one of those where i remember this being not as good as the first not as decent as the second and then it's kind of like the middle child of the family the one that gets forgotten about because then we have bride of chucky and seed of chucky next which garners so much attention in other ways so i was really curious to see if this movie ages any better or if it was still lackluster i can definitely feel you there it's not it's not the high point for chucky films and like when you think back to the like the vibe of chucky of the first three movies like the first one obviously is is its own thing the second one, though, I think sums up for me what I expect from Chucky. Like, he's on the hunt for Andy. And this one just kind of does, it's kind of like the misfit of them. And it's the last one to bear the name Child's Play, like we've mentioned. So everything that comes after it is, it's just so Chucky. Like, he just hits his stride after this. But this one, he's just kind of in a weird spot. And I just expected, honestly, aside from seeing Chucky in a weird spot, I expected to see Jimmy Olsen. I expected cheesy military academy cadets and just Chucky killing people. As always. 
Yeah, this is one of those ones that comes up because, like we always say, our goal here is to review everything, right? So that's how we end up deep into some of these franchises. Like I said, Child's Play's never been, I don't know, significant to me in the world of horror. It's never been one that's like stuck to me. There's maybe not enough words to describe how little I expected to enjoy in this movie. Like, it's not even one that I hate because I don't care enough. I, I am just very indifferent towards Chucky. I know that he exists. That's about all I got. You're not invested. I'm not invested, even in a sense of my investment of hate, which Paris normally would like, right? Any feeling is something. I have no feeling. I, I expect nothing here. You're indifferent, which is borderline more dangerous. Yeah, indifference is worse than hate, famously. That's where I am here. After finding out that the second Child's Play movie was a real continuation of the first one, and then they kind of make their own little complete story together, I really didn't know what direction they were going to take this in. I wasn't sure if Andy was going to be in it. I really wasn't anticipating what we got. So whatever I was expecting, it wasn't this. So while I was watching it, I was kind of like, huh, it's probably no surprise to our listeners, but anything set in like a military, like predominantly male environment is going to be a real snooze for me personally. So when I realized that that was happening, I was like, okay, uh, it was interesting to see Andy grown up. And I did have to like Google to see if that was the same actor, because truly I have no concept of time or human aging. So while I was watching it, I was kind of just like along for the ride, but I had hesitations and I had questions more than anything. Yeah, I I think the setting of this movie is very interesting. My biggest feeling during this movie was, wow, this is very strong 90s vibes. And in in a very good nostalgic way, I guess. I don't know. It's a weird combination of things happening here. I am very unsettled about my feelings. So there were vibes. There's like something. And I don't know. The layers of things here don't quite stack up to make a cake. There's just like cake layers on a table altogether, and I can't quite figure out what was supposed to be made. Ooh. That's pretty accurate. It's in this weird middle place where it's like, you don't really know. Is it is it truly an 80s movie just a couple years later? Or is it truly a 90s movie a couple years too early? It's like trying to... Fi- it's, it's very 91. It's trying to figure out what the 90s are going to be. And it's like, you're not quite there yet. You haven't really set your your own tone yet. So it's it's a bit mixed. I, I think when I was watching it, though, I was surprised by how long it felt because it's not as strong as the first two. Uh, and it's only an hour and a half, but it kind of dragged. Like the first two-thirds of the movie and I mean, there's always stuff going on, but it's just like the pacing of it. I, I honestly was like, man, how much more is there left of this? And then I realized it's only an hour and a half left. There's there's literally like 35 minutes left. Why am I complaining? I will say runtime wise, we almost hit our tight 120. You know, everything was working well there. I was really excited looking at the runtime. Okay. So it was like kind of almost like a semi-loose 120. I think if you cut off the credits and you're scrolling on Instagram, it may have felt like a tight 120. It's interesting Mac, that you felt like the movie dragged a bit because I found this to be a formidable watch the whole way through. It's certainly not as good as the first two movies in the franchise. Absolutely. Paris, I would agree with you. The setting of this film is not one that really appeals to me at all. But there are things that I do enjoy that I found myself having a good time with. For example, I remember that the chronology of making this film, they made this so closely against Child's Play 2 that it was impossible to have the same actor return because he was still a small child and this one was set in the future. But looking at who they got to play Andy, I actually really enjoyed that. 
I really I thought they did a good job of casting a adolescent who looks similar to the child actor, which I think can sometimes be a big swing and a miss. And there's some other characters in this movie that I think are I wouldn't say the most intriguing, but certainly charming certainly endearing in some ways. And while this movie doesn't live up completely to the quality of its predecessors, I do appreciate it for continuing this this thread of the first two films of just corporate greed and consumerism. And that's really what the Child's Play franchise started on. For example, looking at this open, the opening of this movie, it continues that same note before the Chucky franchise just becomes about Chucky shenanigans. Chris, you actually mentioned the thing that was most surprising to me, and it was how much I actually cared about Andy in this movie. I wasn't expecting that at all. He feels like a character that I would normally just be like, meh, and the whole like grown-up version of a kid thing very often doesn't hit for me. But here I was like, I, I care a lot about Andy. I'd say maybe more than anyone else. Like He really hit it out the park for me in a very unexpected way. That's interesting, Ryan, because Andy is... I think probably like the most innocent sort of like final girl type final character that we've ever had, because truly you just like watch a child get traumatized for the first two movies, like relentlessly. And there's like sometimes like teens or like other characters like along for the ride with him, but it's really very much like a solo. He's targeted by this horrible, dull monster, serial killer, demon thing, very specifically targeted by that. Uh, And it's rough to see. So I can kind of understand why seeing Andy like this is still able to provide a level of empathy for the character. But the thing that surprised me the most, I think, is how in such like a, I don't know, like macho kind of environment with like the drill sergeant vibes, I was getting like a lot of queer energy. Like Andy, once he got his haircut, was giving very much like non-binary energy. I feel like this is ultimately like some sort of a lesbian love story at its core. And then like there were so many times where like some of the more aggressive male characters were getting like intimately close to other guys' faces. And I was like, what are they, are they going to kiss? What is this? It was very bizarre. And I think maybe because I'm just not familiar with this culture at all, but I was like very surprised by all of that that was happening. Well, I think one of the things to consider there is that a lot of the dynamics in environments like this are based off of a desire for power and the desire for dominance. Mm. And that really blurs a line with, do you truly want to be a leader who's responsible for the lives or well-being of others? Obviously, these are children, so this doesn't actually matter. But do you want to do that? Or do you want to just feel in control of something? Do you want to feel like you have power of something? And as we know, the slippery slope that can lead to, right? And how people choose to assert their power or dominance over others and how abusive that can turn. That's all this movie fucking was. Honestly, there was kind of always odd sexual tension in like random 90s movies where you're like, oh, this shouldn't be here. And between people who you're like, it doesn't make sense, but you guys are very close face to face right now. Now kiss. I don't have any specific examples, but I'll work on it. And, you know, the, the movie calls back to a lot of the other, like, very popular military movies, uh, and within the decades before it, like, Full Metal Jacket, like, multiple times. And Cadet Kelly, yeah. All that. Yeah. I think <laughs> Cadet Kelly was probably a couple years after this, but yeah, I just can't stop bringing it up. I know. But there's, there's a lot of that, like, getting in your face and screaming at you kind of situation because, like, in, in real life, that would be so annoying to do, let alone to receive. But I think the thing that surprised me, 
the most about this movie was was actually Chucky and, and his puppetry. There were some parts that were really good, like with his hand movements, and there was other parts like his mouth that were really bad. And that was just kind of, I guess, both surprising and disappointing because I feel like in the first two movies, he kind of lives up to what you'd expect based on the release date. And in the later movies, he gets so good, looks like an actual living being with movements good. And this one, again, just kind of falls in the middle. We really did have a mixed bag. He for sure looked like shit. But I was surprised with how much I enjoyed the opening where we see Chucky coming back to life. And we'll have more on that later. But I think the continuity of, okay, how did we get here? How did this whole story happen? Is this going to be as lackluster as Jason being resurrected on one fateful night with a miraculous stroke of lightning to one metal tool that happens to be in his grave? You know what I mean? It gets a little bit loosey-goosey. Child's Play 2, we had a great opening sequence of Chucky being rebuilt. And I think this one, it's a, it's a very thin thread, right? But it's a, it's a thread nevertheless that continues with this kind of like this quest for greed that keeps bringing this fucking thing back to life. And I was surprised how effective that was for me. Another thing that I was surprised, though, was was our man Tyler. I forgot that fucking Tyler was in this movie, and I forgot how damn cute he was. Chris, Tyler was definitely super cute and a pleasant surprise. Also, like, great child actor, which is rare. But I speaking of that, like, opening sequence, I was actually a little bit disappointed because, obviously you see this in the first two minutes of the movie, but like a little bit of like Chucky's blood enters like this big vat of plastic. So I thought somehow we were going to have like an army of Chucky's, like a little bit of that was in all of them. So I was kind of expecting that for some reason. And when we didn't get it, I was a little disappointed. That was actually an original concept for this movie. It ended up being scrapped at the last minute, but that was then later brought back in the series. But that blood in the vat, it makes sense that you would hope for that because that was originally the plan. Okay, because it really felt like that's what they were going to do. Uh, but to Max's point earlier, I think the way that they animated Chucky this time around took the fear out of it for me, which was a little bit disappointing as well, because I'm known, I'm like expecting to be at least somewhat unsettled by Chucky. And like, in a way I was, but like, I wasn't afraid he was hiding under my couch, going to slip my Achilles tendons or like going to come into my room at night. And I think that's because they didn't utilize all of the methods of animation that they did in the previous film, specifically like the little man in a suit running around. And then they just changed the scale of things because that one like always gets me. And I don't think we saw that here. I also feel like that a part of that is that we didn't get that much Chucky on screen. Like it, it seemed like the story was so much more important. It almost had a feeling of you guys already know Chucky. We don't really need to focus on that anymore. We'll show you a couple of his kills, but we didn't have a ton of that. But I don't know. For me, Chucky doesn't scare me. He doesn't do it for me. I've never been like particularly afraid of dolls in any way, aside from that they just look creepy with their little glass eyes and everything. <laughs> but like Chucky's got cute eyes. I don't know. Ew. What? Take that back. When he's a doll, his eyes are so cute. That's sick. He's got the baby blues. Ew. I, I don't think he's scary. He's he's too goofy to be scary, I think. And not like in, in the normal sense of goofy, but like his antics are goofy. Like he's just like having fun with killing people. And he'll get thrown or stabbed or whatever, and he just kind of sucks it up. It's like thanks killing silly where you're like, mm, okay. Yeah. I'm cussing because I can. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think he's particularly scary, but I think in this movie, you're right that he's kind of sidelined as an antagonist and the other antagonists are highlighted way more often. Mm. Oh, for sure. But I will say this, despite how unscary he is, right? This is 
I would not say peak Chucky by any means, not not by any stretch of the imagination. There is a level of intensity of this Chucky that I think is absent from previous Chucky's. And that is a bold move that he makes to kind of sabotage some things. And we'll get into that later in the second half where we can spoil things. But just the thought of that and knowing the age ranges that are at play in this movie and just the big difference there, there's a huge gap. It's kind of fucked up. And the original plans for this movie was to have a very particular bloodbath that I think would have been the most intense moment we get in a child's play film. So I appreciate that. Although a lot of this movie ended up being semi-mediocre along the way, this tried to do a different thing from its previous movies. Honestly, Chris, it sounds like everything that I was expecting and wanted from this movie got cut for some reason or another. Maybe in an attempt to be more original, which I don't think it really succeeded at. This felt like Chucky... Like, you remember those, like, Ernest movies? I don't think I've ever seen one. But remember how it was, like, Ernest goes to space, or, like, Ernest goes to camp, or, like, Ernest did these different things? But this very much just felt like Chucky goes to military school. It felt like a spinoff. You know what I mean? It felt derivative. I think it's... That's interesting. It's an interesting observation, because, like, it doesn't really fit in with his life across the movies. But I think, like Chris has said, like, this is not peak Chucky. I think when they abandoned the idea of Child's Play and just moved to it being Chucky, it's so much, just so different. So I, I hope afterwards that you keep watching, like literally look up an image for Bride of Chucky and your interest will already be peaked. Oh, it's been peaked, Mac. Yeah. The fact that I haven't seen it at this point is very surprising to me personally. The most I've ever cared about Chucky was many years ago when my best friend at the time wanted to be Bride of Chucky for Halloween. And I spent many days figuring out how to do that makeup because I was like, we gonna make you the best Bride of Chucky. <laughs> it was pretty great. I want to see pictures. It's a cute costume. I'll see what I can do. Noted. But I don't think it has to be original. You know, it's 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 a Chucky movie. So it's all about cultural references. It's all about talking about the zeitgeist and there are some bad ways that they do this. You know, there's a line in this movie that took took a lot of heat, absolutely, at the time. There was a line in this movie that I thought was going to go worse than it did. I was like, okay, thank you for not going there. Mm-hmm. Worst part of the movie. But I, I think it's, you know, it kind of reflects 1991. You know, it's got, it's got the vibe. It's got the we're not sure what the 90s are going to be yet, so we're just going to try to figure it out kind of vibe. And so, yeah, it's going to reference things like Full Metal Jacket. It's going to reference, it has a very like Pauly Shore kind of feel to it sometimes, you know, in the army now, but um, it's not unexpected, I don't think. Yeah. What's also not unexpected is the way this chapter concludes. We certainly get a familiar experience for Chucky. I think at this point, it's safe to say it's a trope the way these movies end, but at least I'll say it's climactic. At least I say I enjoy the effects of it. It's one of those things where you know what you're getting yourself into, and for me, it didn't disappoint. I think the ending of a Child's Play or a Chucky movie for me is like kind of what you're looking forward to the whole time. Honestly, I, I just want Chucky to win sometimes. That's just how I feel about it. But, you know, it's a successful ending, and I think as we know, another four Chucky movies follow this, along with a reboot of Child's Play. And I feel like every one of these movies could end with Chucky being vaporized by sharks with laser beams, and it wouldn't really matter. Because <laughs> corporate greed never dies. Exactly. Yeah, I, I gotta be honest here. The ending doesn't really do it for me. It just feels like a random journey at the end of an arty random movie. But I don't know. It's It's not horrific. It just didn't do anything for me, really. I swear there's an element of this ending that I feel like 
every single Chucky ending has, specifically in regards to a location. But maybe, because when I saw it, maybe I've actually seen the ending of this movie before, just the ending, because I didn't remember any of it. I actually did not hate the ending. One of my favorite parts of this movie is within the ending, and we'll talk about that after the spoiler break. Oh, I look forward to that. Now let's go ahead and make our way towards that spoiler break. But before we actually rate this movie, Paris, how many people died in this film? We had a total of eight deaths in this movie, which feels pretty on par for a child's play film. And what about the animal report? Animal report is all good to go. Well, let's go ahead and get into our ratings then. Child's Play 3 from 1991. Look who's stalking indeed. Was it a hacker slash? I think this is probably one of the weakest Child's Play slash Chucky movies that there are, but I still think it's a slash. I still think it's moderately entertaining. And the story, yeah, like the setting is kind of weird. I don't really understand that choice whatsoever. But the story in Chucky movies, it doesn't really matter. Like he could just show up in a random suburban neighborhood and he's just going to do his thing. And you're just going to kind of watch to hope to see him, you know, stab some people or or use vacuum cleaners to choke him out. Who knows what he's going to do? It's going to be ridiculous because he's a doll uh, that's killing fully grown human beings. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with suspending my disbelief. Every single time I sit down to watch anything with Chucky inside of it. So yeah, I, I think it's a slash. I think it's entertaining. It's not the best Chucky movie by a long shot, but it's it's fine. I will tell you this, Mac. I have slashed every Child's Play movie that we have reviewed thus far, but I feel like, and I'll be fair, I've only seen the first two and the reboot with Aubrey Plaza, but I definitely feel like this was the worst of the four that I've seen. I was like bored. The setting did nothing for me. And I think the reason I even slashed the first two in the, to begin with is because technically they're very sound and there's always at least some level of like stress, fear, and anxiety for me, just like watching the Chucky character navigate through space and time just because I hate the way it moves. Um, but because there was none of that that was effective for me in this movie, I think it just kind of made, kind of made me look at it in a different way and just kind of look at it as like the goofy, kind of silly, kind of like saying swear words just to say them to be like, I'm a toy saying fuck, Ugh, giving the little middle fingers, crusty little finger. Uh, I hated that. Um, so I'm going to give this movie a hack. I probably will never watch this again. It feels like a deep valley in the franchise, I'm hoping, based on what I've heard about the subsequent films. Uh, so even though I didn't really care for this one, I am still looking forward to continuing the franchise. Well, you two have put me in a predicament here because I have no idea how I feel about this movie. And I thought, I'll wait and see what they say and see if anything really resonates with my heart. And... I don't know. I I guess my indifference is kind of continuing here with Chucky. For me, this really feels like a 90s army movie and Chucky is just like thrown in. This feels like a movie that has nothing to do with Chucky. They just didn't have a good issue for the plot. So they were like... Let's put Chucky in it. That that's what it feels like without considering, you know, anything else in the franchise. But I did enjoy Andy and some of the characters, but not all of them. I don't know. It's really tough. I I don't think it's horrible. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. And it's not like offensively bad, but I don't know that there's any reason I would ever think about watching it ever again. I usually come from a place of like hack until proven otherwise. I think I'm gonna go slash here because I'm feeling generous in 2022. But I'm I'm not like excited about this movie at all. It feels wrong. I don't know. Everything feels wrong. I feel wrong hacking it and slashing it, but I'll run with a slash for now. Alexis will be proud because she loves to be slash until proven hack. Right. And and that's our difference here. So I, I feel a bit like I'm betraying people. But honestly, like 
I think there's literally enough positive 90s vibes that I enjoyed this, not even caring about the fact like that Chucky's even in it almost, but I don't know. It's a very tough one. Ryan, is this like an I slash Jaws 2 because I like water sports? No, because there isn't even a thing in here. Like, I don't care about army school at all. <laughs> I, I don't even understand really the concept of where these people are. Because one person's like 10 and one person's like 20. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird environment. And now I feel like I should hack it. I don't know, man. <laughs> I have been thinking about this for two days now. I, I, I'm just going to go with a slash. And at the end of the year, I'll say, what was I thinking? I think she slashed it because of a woman in uniform. That's what did it. Oh, yeah. Nobody in this movie did it for me. And they I think they were like 15. I didn't understand anything in this movie, okay? I don't know. I did my best here. Hey, you know what, Ryan? New year, new you. It's okay. It's fine. You can be a little bit more generous. You will have a chance to undo this at the end of the year. But I, I think one of the things that Paris said in terms of it being a bit of a valley before we get into the rest of the, you know, the upward trend of the rest of the franchise. I drew a little bit of a diagram here in terms of like what the reception has kind of been. So we have one, we have two, we're pretty on par. Three, it was one of the ones that a few people involved actually thought that this might have been one of the worst ones they made. And then we have Bride, we have Seed, we have Curse. Colts did a little bit of something weird. And then we have the show that really just drove up Chucky's stocks. For me, this is one of those movies where I know what I'm getting into with Chucky. I think it, it's pre-intense Chucky that we get in the next few films. So this is one where, you know, if you think that he's cursing just a curse, it gets a lot worse as we continue to go on. This is a style of Chucky that I look back on fondly, not because I think he's great by any means, but because he's just so different now. And it's one of those ones where, you know, sometimes you're hungry and you want to go get some good food. And sometimes you're hungry just enough to get whatever's nearby and edible. And this one's edible. You know what I mean? It's not disgusting. It's not one of the things that I'm going to throw up or get sick from. It's just constant old reliable. It's the basic order of a sandwich that you would, you know, assemble out of your fridge. It's not surprising. It's not fancy, but it's consistent. And for me, that gets it a slash. And with that, in a stunning turn of events, Child's Play 3 from 1991 has earned three slashes and one hack. Now, you can find this movie available to rent or purchase online. Either way, check it out. Then join us in the second half so we can dive into the spoilers together. We'll see you in a bit. What's up, you shaggy-haired heathen? Is it time to clean up your look? The all-new Presto Scalp Shaver is the quickest and cleanest way to go from long and messy to high and tight. Presto Scalp Shaver is solar-powered, so you don't have to worry about charging for hours on end. It also has a built-in vacuum, so no more sweeping up after trimming all that messy hair. Presto, you're bald. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Child's Play 3, which has surprisingly earned... Three slashes and one hack. Now we have a lot to get to here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, we do have the matter of gore to attend to. Paris, what's the gore score for this movie? So disappointingly, so the score was low as as far as I see it. We didn't get a lot of gore. Like we literally had somebody dive on top of a grenade and we barely got any blood from that. And I'm like, where was it? The most blood we got was from Chucky. With that being said, an interesting thing to note is that this is the only Child's Play film where no females die and all of the victims are men. Interesting. I know. Uh, You know, a girl got shot, but she survived. 
I think we can agree that this is Chucky's film to fight the patriarchy. I don't know about that, Chris, because I was actually doing a tally of women that had speaking roles in this movie, and it was just three, and one of them was the woman in the boardroom at the very beginning. So I think it was just a lack of female presence. There weren't women to kill in this movie. Very representative of the military environment in the 90s. I'm kidding. Is it obviously a fucking children's school? Also, like, co-ed? I I don't really understand how that works. With that being said, what was everyone's favorite kill? I'm going to go with the heart attack. (gasps) No. Because of Chucky's disappointment. (laughs) Absolutely. And and that's what sold it, was how disappointed Mm -hmm. Chucky was. Because, like, it happens, and he's sweaty, and it's going down, and he's just like, you have to be effing kidding me. And, And that moment was so good. That was Chucky before he, like... This is the Chucky you, you expect later on in the, in the, in the movies. In that, in that moment, it felt like, oh, it's a glimpse of what he's going to be. That kill was great. Was it? Chucky's disappointment was palpable and it made it lovely. It was great because you didn't expect a heart attack to happen. And then afterwards, they're like, this man's been to Nam and now he's just dying in his place of a heart attack. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, Chucky killed him. You just, it's like a, a indirect kill, you know? For me, my favorite kill was good old creepy Sergeant Botnick. Why is he so obsessed with haircuts? Mm. Oh my God. It was the weirdest vibes from him, along with already a weird environment in general. And so I enjoyed that little stab to the neck. It was a great time. Chucky did need a haircut though. Yeah. He also had like locks of all the boys' hair, like all over his wall. Did you see that? He was really creepy. He was a sick perv. I don't understand why. The movie didn't need a random creepy haircut guy. I don't know. I also think the whole haircutting thing in the military is weird in general, but nonetheless. Yeah, there are reasons, and those reasons are just exerting control and dominance whenever possible. I will say, though, that uh, Sergeant Botnick was a predator, and it's very creepy feelings. I was happy that he went. I think the moment that he goes... Chucky has a not his great not his greatest material in terms of like bazinga gotcha moments and one-liners, but definitely a strong performance there. My favorite death though is something that surprised me in terms of its intensity with which it was filmed, and it's actually Brett Shelton. And it's Shelton because holy shit, Chucky's putting live ammo and live rounds and guns that kids are using. The logic is bullshit. We all know that wouldn't actually happen. Right, We know that this is not a possibility. A paint gun, you can't put just real bullets in there and all of a sudden we're good. But it was the way that the opposite team was just like kind of getting into the position. Everything's in slow motion. And then all of a sudden you see this gigantic bullet just pierce straight through him. And that kid was a dick, 100%. But that was a really serious moment of like uh, some heavy gravity. And then when you realize that they realize what's happening and they're freaking out and they're losing their shit. And it's just this like, let's pretend this isn't a movie about a killer doll and you have a kid with a paintball gun and all of a sudden he just shoots another kid and you see that trauma unfold right before him. It's like that kid's life is ruined in terms of like his mental health. That's terrifying. I totally agree, Chris. That was also my favorite kill for pretty much every reason you mentioned. You really summed that up beautifully, I'd say. And also, like, I really enjoyed it because he was such a dick, but I was expecting that to be the beginning of something much more widespread. I wanted to see at least five other students get shot. Uh, and actually, as it turns out, the war game scene where he replaced all of those paintball bullets with live ammo was actually written to be some sort of a bloodbath that we never got. I'm sure that would have affected the rating in some way. If a bunch of kids were killed on screen. Yeah, I mean, it's already a doll killing kids and people. And he's been chasing this one dude for like a real long time. So 
I don't I don't know why we couldn't have had the bloodbath and I would have enjoyed it. Yeah. But it's interesting though, because think about Scream coming out in 1996, and then we have the Columbine Massacre shortly thereafter, and that changed cinema as we know it. There are things that have been altered in films. Things were supposed to be written one way, and then we had to complete deviate course because they don't want to encourage more teenage or, or child violence with guns, etc. So this movie in this scene, maybe you could have gotten away with it in 1991. Still probably not the greatest taste, but you for sure can't do it now. That's fucked up. There is a similar scene and um, it's all adults though. And it's a, and it's in a TV show, but yeah, I think if, it, because there's specifically children and adolescents involved, like even in 91 though, I think it's risque. And I think if they would have had that bloodbath as planned, like they would have heard some, cause they already got like major feedback about this film. I think they really would have heard some people like wanting to boycott it or ban it or something. Let's just remember that Silent Night, Deadly Night got boycotted for having a killer Santa Claus. Let's just remember that. That's yeah. true. But also, you know, any publicity is good publicity. Until it's not. Eh. Until it's not. But the other element of that is even just looking at Shelton being a dick and then finally getting it. I think it also goes to show you that no matter how much of a jerk a kid is, they don't deserve to die, right? And I think that's just that added weight there. Sure, we get him going, but even thinking about like kind of the innocence lost in some of the Fear Street movies, that's something that you can kind of get away with when it's like a axe-wielding murderer, sure. But when it's kids doing that to other kids with a gun, it's a little bit too much for me. I think it was very dark-sided as an idea, and I think it was a missed opportunity for this to be the most fucked-up Child's Play movie in the entire franchise. Circling back to Max's favorite kill, technically, Sergeant Cochran was the only victim not to be murdered by Chucky because he died of a heart attack and his just general weak disposition, I guess. I mean, it could be argued that Chucky murdered him because it was the shock of just seeing Chucky's existence that caused the man to die. But that's actually in the running for my worst kill of 2022 right now. I mean, it's early. Give it some time. I don't, I'm surprised that you don't see any merit in the fun of Chucky being pissed that he scared somebody so much that they died of a heart attack. I mean, I also was pissed. I was with Chucky. I was like, no, come on, give me something. I thought it was great. It was like at the end of Malignant when that security guard dies because there's like an electromagnetic field fucking up his pacemaker. Oh yeah, that's fucked. It was like unexpectedly flop. That's part of what sucked in that movie for me, you know? Now, something that is interesting is that until Curse of Chucky in 2013, this movie actually had the most deaths in a single location because Sergeant Cochran, the military barber, the Colonel Shelton, and Whitehurst were all killed on Andy's military school. Is that kind of cheating facts, though? Because, like, basically the whole movie was there and it's like a very large place. Yeah, but Chucky's famously well-traveled and kills all over. Yeah, he's getting in cars, he's holding people at gunpoint to drive them around, he's making, he's getting some mileage in. Yeah, but this like school grounds is like 18 different places, you know? It's like a freaking barber shop, it's a house, it's a, a, I don't know, place where adults and kids are. It's like a weird thing. Whole forest. Sure, sure. What do you think Chucky's Fitbit would look like? Like a lot of steps or do you think he's just kind of like uh, hitching rides and so he doesn't really get any in? I think a lot of steps. He's got little legs, right? So he's got a lot of steps to cover the same distance because it's not like he's 5'1 or something, right? No, he's really little. But also he does get carried places. I was going to say he gets carried places a lot. Exactly. He does a lot of crawling as well. I want to be carried places. <laughs> 
Ryan, going going back to the set. So my favorite thing to look at in this movie was like the set and the wardrobe. It gave me major flashbacks to when I was in JROTC and ROTC. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it was very effective. But a lot of their uniforms were really on point, even down to like the super duper shiny shoes. By the way, they were wearing shoes that are like pre-shined, most of them. And they totally weren't shining their own shoes that shiny. That was BS, calling it out. We weren't allowed to wear those. It was garbage. Mm-hmm. But no, I I liked it. I think it makes it feel kind of expansive, like you mentioned, right? Like it's a big, it's a big place. It's a big academy. Like this is, you know, I don't know, the grounds, the campus. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's pretty big. It does feel like there's a lot of weird places that people can go into. Like, why do they have an armory? That part doesn't really make sense to me. I get that you have to because they have weapons. Typically they wouldn't be, they would, they wouldn't be live though. That seems very strange and not realistic, but. I don't know. I like the fact that they had a variety of uniforms as well that they put people into. Like that's a real thing for an academy. Um, their uniforms weren't just like copies of military uniforms either. Like a lot of academies have like gray and blue and random crap like that. And like it made sense. The camo berets though, that was ridiculous. So some points off there, but I think if we have to be set in a, in a, you know, child and teenage military academy, like they did a good job of making it look like one. See, I think I'm more on Paris's camp where like, I don't, one, I don't relate to any of it. But two, like, I don't really understand where we are. I don't understand why Tyler is here and his age difference from the rest of the kids. And it seems like it's because his dad is in the military in some way, does something, leads something. I'm sure there's plenty of logic to it, but it feels like a very weird setting to me to have like this much younger kid, this much older group of kids, they're all living there, and then weird things like the armory. I, I Yeah, I don't know. It feels weird for somebody who is not very military adjacent as in, my, in life. If you recall our episode from The Lodge, this is, in fact, the Lone Oak Institute for Children. Wayward children, to be exact. So, you know, (laughs) you got them, they're wayward, send them to this fucking place. (laughs) (laughs) These are places that exist. I don't know how many there are, of course, but, like, the fact that there's, like, a 10-year-old and a 16-year-old makes sense. Because, effectively, these are, like elementary through high school all in one place now you obviously like they live there but they go to class they have like science class and history class and all the other classes you would have you have your different instructors for that but you also have like drill and ceremonies and you'll have you know sports and crap too but it doesn't throw me off that the different ages are there it just throws me off that they're combined into into units because that part is not does not make sense like they would be in totally different groups yeah yeah, even just like seeing that there were some female students in the lineup, I was like, what is the what are the rules of this space? I really had no context for this. But one thing I did have context for is in the final scene, and this is my favorite visual, the mountain of skulls that our big climactic showdown takes place on very much reminded me of the time I was on LSD on the 4th of July, and I was walking through like a granite quarry, and then I looked down, and it too was a mountain of skulls. I think that scene was beautifully lit. I think it was really cool looking, and then seeing Chucky just like fall in slow-mo from three different angles was a very beautiful, satisfying visual. I am going to have to go back to something that Chris mentioned earlier for my favorite visual element, which is the title sequence for this movie. 
I just thought it was interesting at the start of the movie to have a sequence like that, kind of like the the rebuilding of Chucky or the coming back to life of Chucky. And little things like that, like what they do for a title sequence matters to me. And it gets me either in or out at, at the very beginning, at step one. Things like that, I, honestly, the beginning of this movie is what gets me into it. Yeah, I just thought it was a great title sequence. And it was something that I appreciated and appreciated seeing the similarities that we saw like with Halloween in 2018. I thought the same thing, Ryan. I actually also really enjoyed that title sequence. And I was also reminded of that pumpkin aging in reverse. Yep. Pretty cool. This was before that. So, you know, we can say Halloween got something from Child's Play. Yeah. I don't know about that. So here's the thing, though. (laughs) Chris is very against this. (laughs) I get it because this is very obviously a thing that was filmed and then played in reverse to create the illusion of something, right? In Halloween, it's done very intentionally to resurrect the franchise. It's showing, hey, we have decayed, but now let's return to our former glory. In this one, it's just a trick to create the illusion of Chucky being built. Now, I will agree with you, Ryan, 100%. The opening title sequence is absolutely my favorite visual. And I think even some of the Chucky that we get at the end of this film, when half of his face sawed off, is another element that uh, I really, really enjoyed visually. But that opening sequence, and I want to go back to this because this is actually, I know, really started off on a high and didn't go much further from there. That was my favorite scene in the movie. It was something about the blood trickling into the vat. The materials start bubbling, the camera zooms in, the liquid spirals down, and that was such a great transition to a black and red spiral for the title graphic. Oh my god, James Bond vibes. (laughs) That was my favorite part. Yeah. And I love that because, first off, the liquid tainted with blood reminds me of some of the sides from like a fucked up Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory situation. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's it's. A little bit campy, but also in a way, it looks like a really fucked up flesh-colored candy cane, which I'm not into, but I'm kind of into it at the same time. It's all weird. And even though this isn't the best film in the franchise, I think it actually has some of the best title sequence work. Because that spookiness of that fucking flesh being poured onto his face, and it, you just starting to see the, the eyes emerge... That sight is what I think contributes to the idea of like Chucky being a scary doll. It's not the goofiness. It's not the antics. It's not the one-liners. It's not the fact that he's a homicidal doll. He looks his fucking creepiest when he's being built. And you just have to stare at him for a while. That's so true. Like that gross, like liquidy, melty, bleedy, plasticky flesh tone goop was miserable to behold. It reminded me of the pudding in Dead Alive. Ew. Uh, or was it custard? It was custard. It was yeah. Custard. <laughs> but speaking of red, my favorite scene was the lipstick scene. And I don't know why. I just found it humorous to watch Chucky have to sit there or choose to sit there and have lipstick applied to his face. Like, meanwhile, we know he hates it in the end, but he chose not to like come alive, you know, and, and, be like a Toy Story doll and show up and like scare them away or anything. He just like sat there and let them put lipstick on his face. And to me, that's, that's funny. That's like not knowing that a shark is a shark and putting lipstick on it the entire time, just being like, whatever, no big deal. And then the shark eventually wakes up and is like, I'm going to eat you now. Sorry. <laughs> the visual of a shark with lipstick is hilarious. Yeah. Sharks don't have great lips. But I, I mean, it was great because Tyler's there and they're like having a good time with him. And it was kind of a lighthearted scene, of course, all the while a serial killer is sitting there getting makeup applied to his face. 
I was actually a little bit disappointed by that scene because I thought we were going to get like a full Chucky makeover in a fun way. But then when he was like so mad about it and he was like, this is war. Like that's the biggest offense you could ever commit to Chucky is like putting him in a red lip. I mean, yeah, it doesn't suit his coloring whatsoever. And it was a criminal look, but I thought he could have really embraced it a little bit more. He honestly needed that haircut too earlier. Like the two of them combined would have been kind of an improvement. (laughs) I think he's pretty, uh, he's real cis white guy. You know, like that's pretty much his vibe. So I I wasn't at all surprised by him being pissed about it. My favorite scene is just after our title sequence, when we have Sullivan upstairs and all his toys start to come to life. One, I, that was like the first moment where I was like, "Mm, the 90s vibes here are doing it for me. It just his whole house. Like I was oddly excited by his remote control because it just... It's like that old, I don't know, just had a lot of fun old feelings. And then as his toy started to come to life, it just continued. And the friggin' golf Paris was earlier asking why everyone in a 90s movie was in their office playing putt-putt. And that's a very real thing. And and I don't know, it just did it for me. And all the little mechanical things doing stuff would have been such a creepy moment in your house by yourself. I, I would have left. I would have run out of my house screaming if anything started making noise and lightning up on its own. It also had very much small soldiers energy, Ryan, which I'm pretty <gasps> sure we've bonded over before in the past. Yes. But truly watching that man get taken down by like a couple darts and like some other random bullshit after seeing what the girls survived in the most recent scream that we just watched in theaters i was like sir you're a little bitch the biggest bitch actually okay so the logistics of this do we think that first dart hit a nerve or something or was he just a little bitch (laughs) look he's already got a bad back so that's like a given right so imagine just being poked really hard in the spine if you already have a bad back you're just probably going to topple over so i i think that's that's plausible and believe it or not, he is actually five years younger than Michael Myers. <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, he did survive, you know, number two and made it into number three. So good on him for making it all the way here. But it, just, it was his time. And I think, you know, maybe it's like acupuncture. You know, Chucky's really good at aiming right for the right spot to disable somebody. <laughs> Generally speaking, my favorite scene was definitely the ending. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, does every Child's Play movie not end with a carnival? for some reason or is that just this one and i've seen it before you've seen other horror movies end in a carnival a hundred percent but not every child's play movie for example the last one ended in a factory the previous one definitely didn't but what does happen in every child's play movie is chucky does undergo severe damage and does lose specifically his right hand really yeah hmm is there a reason for that consistency that's a stab in hand just fuck him up a bit okay i think I'm remembering now when we rewatched number two and I was like, oh, this is the one that ends at the carnival. And every time I watch a child's play movie, I'm expecting it to go to the carnival. So I think I must have seen just the ending of this movie before in the past. Potentially. But let me just say this, the little bit of the roller coaster action. It is the mountain of skulls. Obviously, it doesn't end in the same place, but it does remind me of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. It does feel that way. Honestly, I think once they got to the carnival, there was so much. This reminds me of other things. It made me feel like I was watching a different movie when we got to that point. Texas Chainsaw is like the the perfect explanation. I also love that in that carnival, like little roller coaster spookatorium ride that we get like the Reaper slicing off that chunk of Chucky's face like Chris mentioned. Yeah, that was a good gore moment too. Well little doll guts anytime he takes damage and you get to see like his insides it's always a good time because then he's that much scarier well 
I got to be honest, that was scary. But what was really scary for me in this movie is the characters that we had. I did enjoy them. I didn't get to know any of them. It was just like angry dude that's ahead of everyone else that's in the story. Andy, Andy's roommate, who was afraid of angry dude. And then Tyler. Andy and Tyler were the stars for me. And I cared about zero other people. All the adults in this movie suck. You didn't like De Silva? No, didn't care. But she was fun. I mean, yeah, sure. I There was one scene that I enjoyed, which is where they're in lo- the lineup. Yeah. I don't know if lineup is like the For- right way. Formation. Yeah. yeah, sure. Well, there's that. And then the rest of it, I was just like, okay, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I didn't get to know anybody. Yeah. And I also think that some of our characters also didn't get to know each other, specifically De Silva just falling in love with Andy for no particular reason whatsoever. Exactly. I love that at one point they have like a, and this I think is the most lesbian scene in the whole movie, but we have Andy sitting there and he's like, you're not afraid of anything, are you? And she's like, nope. And then just like thrusts her tongue into his mouth. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a limited gene pool thing. That's what it is. He's fresh meat. So, uh, he's obviously then the most interesting person at the school. What's not lesbian though, is breaking into an office to unearth someone's personal information to get to know more about them. That's not lesbian. Also not kosher. You know what? I I had some questions there as well related to Andy. So he has been through different foster families, but now he's at this school. Who sent him to the school? That's what I was saying. He just like got sent there because they everyone hated him. So who's his legal guardian? Is it still some foster parent who's like, I'm over it? You know, maybe he like turned 18 and they just like sent him there. But he seems so young. He's a ward of the state. He's a burden of the state. That's interesting that they could come up with a tuition to send them there, you know? Right. Private military school. Don't worry, we got it. Yeah. Oh God, that costs money. I feel like that's a punishment. I feel like that's I feel like <laughs> I feel like this is one step above jail in my perception. Yeah. So there there's different programs though. So like there are some schools where they like it's it's kind of like this, but it is to kind of straighten you out a little bit. Uh, and then there's like private military academies that cost a lot of money. No, I mean like th- that whole backstory there just like didn't really add up in terms of how he would have gotten here. Like didn't make a lot of sense. So that was kind of bothering me, but I kind of liked this Andy. Gotta say there were some parts that really bothered me. Also, where'd the pocket knife come from? How's that not contraband? That doesn't make sense to me, but like he's okay. He's okay for an Andy. He's like the only non Andy Andy we get. Um, but it works. I liked Andy. I liked Andy a lot too. I loved, I loved the performance of Andy depicting his trauma and how he has been affected since seeing Chucky again. I love that you can feel that for him because I'm sorry, young Andy, excellent child actor. We followed him for two movies. He's adorable. He's lovable. He's feeling it. You're just looking at this kid screaming when he's locked in a room wondering, Oh my God, what is this going to do to him? And here we see what it's done to him. And it's not too over the top. He's still in control of things and he still wants to handle things. But I'm a really big fan of the casting choice for this Andy. And the other things I like, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of De Silva either. You know, Shelton was uh, very annoying. I think the best part about that is the gravity that his death brought to the film and kind of escalating Chucky's moves. But I also do appreciate that Whitehurst was courageous when he hadn't been the entire movie. And that felt like a nice little arc for him. I think it came down to what he cared about. And that was his friends. Like the people, the people around him is really what he was willing to sacrifice himself for. Um, the weird pedo that liked to cut his hair, like he was like, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk to anybody about that. But uh, my friend's blowing up. Not okay with it. Can we take a minute to kind of break down the barber though? Please. Because 
Sergeant Botnick, what, what, ex- what, what was the deal there? Because there was a lot going on. I mean, I know we've mentioned it earlier, but this dude obviously had to think for children, right? Like that's is that is that the thing? I think we can confirm that. Whatever it was, it was weird. And even if it's not like a, a even if he's not a predator, he's a creep. Yeah. If well, there's a difference. So here's the thing that bothers me. He gives he gives Andy a haircut. Two days later is like time for another haircut. Yeah, it's like you get some weird excitement about giving kids haircuts, which to be fair, I think that in the military, the people that cut your hair probably do have some weird excitement about it. But it's like we said, like more of a control thing, it seems. All I'm going to say is I had a great barber in the Navy, one of the best I've worked with. See, but I'm thinking about like people who I've known who have gone to boot camp and they come back and they're like, bruh, especially not white people. I feel like get treated worse because they don't care about cutting anyone's hair maybe the way it needs to be cut or something but like i've I've talked to a lot of people about like that first haircut where they're just like yeah we're we're shaving it all off and you're gonna look terrible mm. for a while we don't care yeah for women they would just cut it into uh above the neck and so if you have curly hair you end up like almost every woman has like a triangle or like a pyramid of hair and that's what it really ends up being i got my first haircut in preparation to go to the navy I cut off all my hair here at home. And then unfortunately, with the way that they space out haircuts for women, I had to let that shit grow out to a very dumb amount. And I got called Wonder Years because apparently I look like one of the characters from that show. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It's not. It's not amazing. Okay, but specifically in the haircut scene with Andy... Did you all clock that wig that they put him in so that they could actually cut yes. the hair? Oh my god, it was so bad. I was looking at it and I was like, you could have you could have blow dried it or something. Like you, it didn't have to be the straightest hair that's ever been. It looked like they took one of the extra Chucky wigs and then just like dyed it brown. It really did. Why did he have to cut his hair with scissors when he was just using the clippers before? Why didn't he buzz his head? Because this movie doesn't make sense. Specifically, this haircutting dude doesn't make sense. He probably yeah. felt a thing about it. He he did. He felt a certain way. He was like, "No, this hair, this hair deserves scissors. Keep that, uh, keep that chunk of hair over here." Oh, that's oh, so creepy. It honestly like turns my stomach. How oddly it was like creepy with no purpose, and that I didn't like. And honestly, this brings me to the worst part of the movie, which is the setting for the movie. I mean, it's not like over the top. It's not major pain, although I did watch that plenty in high school. Um, there were just so many plot holes like, you know, why on earth did they have live ammunition at a military academy for children? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, we already mentioned the fact that it doesn't make sense that Andy's there. Like, who's his guardian? How is he being paid for to be there? It doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, why did the barber dude have a straight razor? When he's working with children, that was a big one. And he just like left it there. He probably actually cuts the hair of all the other adults too. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Boom. Plot hole plugged. Mac, you're very right here. The setting is one of the worst parts of this movie. It is the thing that, that pushed me so hard towards a hack, even though I didn't quite get there. It just, again, really feels like some random kid military movie that just happens to have Chucky in it. And, it's weird. It's not my worst part, though. My worst part is the fact that a grenade went off, and literally all we got was a little, what felt like the firecrackers that are like, they're like poppets, and you throw them at the ground and they just make a noise. We almost got that with a grenade and a kid landing on it. And I just, 
want the carnage. And I'm I'm quite disappointed. I feel like Chucky's not gentle, you know? We're not here. This I don't feel like the child's play movies really cater to sensitive horror people, if that's a thing. I, I don't know. I think there's some horror that's like, we're going hard here. And there's some where it's like, eh, it's not so bad. Like to me, although we get some crazy stuff, but like sometimes Halloween wasn't so bad, at, you know, back in the day. Chucky's not that. Like Chucky goes hard. This man, all he wants to do is run around yelling like MF or and whatever. And so the fact that a grenade went off and we got almost nothing from it is my worst part of this whole movie. To be fair, somebody jumped on the grenade and like took the blast so that nobody else would get hit with it. Let's see their guts blast out the back. Right. Like, that, do they though? That body was still intact. I don't know what they do, but, but what's the point of the grenade scene in this movie if it's going to be so minimal? I don't know. I just really, when he was like holding a grenade, I was like, bruh, this is about to get a little popping up in here, literally. <laughs> and it wasn't. That, it, that was just such a disappointment for me. That would have been a good time for Chucky to lose his right hand, though. <laughs> it's true. Like, accidentally just hold on to it. Yeah. I totally agree, Ryan. That was very underwhelming for how much drama was built up into that grenade. But having hacked this movie, I am tasked with saying the best part about it. And I actually have a best part. It's the war games element that comes into play in, like, the second half of the movie. And I think just because, like, I'm a big I'm a big fan of just like large scale coordinated games, whether it be like laser tag or like paintball or capture the flag. I love capture the flag in my high school and college years. And it reminded me specifically of one summer, me and maybe like 15 other college students in Pittsburgh, we like went to the public park and we had a full hunger games, which was kind of capture the flag like, but mostly very hunger games. And it lasted for like six hours and it was so fun. And I would just like remember those times fondly. So this reminded me of that. And I was like, okay, I'm not mad about this element being brought into play. How many people did you kill? I killed, I think, two. But mostly I, I played a hide strategy. So I was just like dodging and running and being long and slender. <laughs> so you were PETA? Yeah, very defensive, very stealthy strategy. You would have loved. One of the coolest things we did when I was in A school for my job in the Navy as a journalist, we had a a field exercise where we went out to some tents and we pretended we're underway in some other country and we had to pretend we're like obviously attached to combat camera so we had to be war photographers during paintball fights and it was the coolest fucking thing so much fun that's fun i love that kind of thing we used to play a game in high school actually in jrotc where you would go into the woods and it's kind of like hide and seek like you would have to find cover and concealment and like tuck away somewhere uh and then the other team would have to like come find all of you i love that okay so just so that we're all aware of like the type of person that i am i am a kind of person who when playing hide and go seek hides really well and then gets scared and feels like no one's ever going to come find me and comes out before before anyone's ever found me so <laughs> that's me that's also your dead by daylight strategy that <laughs> is actually that as well um Except the part where when you come I'm, out. When I'm playing good, I'm a good distraction, okay? So maybe that is the same same strategy. <laughs> you hide and then you stop hiding and then people find you. That's yeah, exactly I just, the same strategy. You know, I'm always very afraid. Like, what if I'm just such a good hider that no one ever finds me and I get freaked <laughs> out being by myself? I don't like it. If I hide with somebody, I'm good. Okay. Well, that's, that's fair. I appreciate the generosity, Paris, on that best part quality move all around. My worst part is going to be something that I, I'm going to go in the direction of like a nuisance. This really 
bothered a, a part of me that I'd like to keep buried. Two elements. One, those cadets weren't in a fucking height line in their formation. Drives me nuts. You don't have random fucking height, heights next to each other. That's not fucking cohesive. Second, uh, DeSova didn't have her hair in a ponytail and it was long enough to touch the collar. Now, current regulations in the actual fucking military, that shit's changed. You can have ponytails now, but in 1990 fucking one, what the fuck are y'all doing? God, y'all are dramatic. What is any of this? Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. I was literally watching the movie thinking the same thing as soon as we get to like passing by and she's in view i was like well that's wrong why is her hair down touching her back this sounds like trauma just a reminder for everybody mac did not go into the military no i'm talking about high school okay no so in high school they didn't have to cut their hair short so what many of them would do is they would have like i don't know 75 different pins where their hair was all pinned up underneath their underneath their cover so it worked see the first page of our jam board when you see how tightly my hair is pressed down into a neat bun however a height line is when you have the shortest people in the front and the tallest people in the back so that people can fucking see it just makes sense do you have to like work that out on your own or do you like know who goes where you know who goes where well that sounds easy i was always in the front but if you have to like scramble and figure out who goes where i guess if i'm tall i would just always go to the back you do have to figure it out the first time the first time you ever form up you do have to figure it out every time after you just know where you fucking go and you just like recognize the people that should be with you mm-hmm. the military just feels like like things you had to do in p as like busy work like hey guys let's get in a line based on height and you had to like look at the oh wait hold on Hey guys, get in a line by height, but you're not allowed to speak to each other. You know, like those drills in school <laughs> where it's like, you can't talk. You have to just figure it out how to communicate together and, mm-hmm. and get in the line to, in the right, in the right order. Sometimes you also had to get in a line by height, but also alphabetically. Yeah. Ex- this is exactly. Yeah. It feels like psychological torture meets brainwashing meets bullying. It is just bullying. It's the exact recipe for I'm going to break you down to break you of your independent thinking so you can comply. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It did bother me, though, that Douche Magoo made her do push-ups in their dress <laughs> uniforms. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, God, she's going to be messy. It's raining. I know. I had the same thought. So, I mean, the setting is hilarious, though, but it's memorable. to this. I mean, I haven't watched this movie in almost 20 years, but I still remembered it pretty vividly. And it's held some rewatch value because this time I rewatched it. And... I was entertained, but I don't know that I would do it again. Yeah, you didn't have a choice this time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm definitely not watching this again. Same, Ryan. This is one that I will happily skip every time. I will also take a hard pass on revisiting this film unless I were to want to walk down memory lane. For example, I think if you want to watch the Chucky TV series and you want to get a full Chucky experience, absolutely watch the whole franchise. I think... The show does such a great job of adding in value and and elements that you get from these other movies. But there's another place that you can get value in preparation for something like that. And that is in Max Factor Fiction. All right, let's jump in. Number one, after Alex Vincent, the original Andy, after his parents asked for a break from acting in Child's Play films to let him focus more in school for a while, the decision was made to cast an older actor and thus jump the movies forward by several years. I'll go fact. Oh god, I don't know. I can't decide. Based on that thing Chris said earlier, I want to say fiction. Let's say fiction. It is a fiction. He isn't in this one because there's the time jump. But he does return later uh, in other movies. Comes back as Andy. Oh my god, really? Really, really. And in the TV show. Number two. 
Lord of the Rings director Peter Jackson asked to direct his film and was considered for the spot. Lord of the Rings. Hmm. I'll go fiction, even though it feels like a fact. I am going to say fiction, even though at one point when they're in the woods, they step on what is supposed to be snow, but it's clearly just like a mat of something painted to look like snow. And that reminded me of like a Lord of the Rings type set. So this one is a fact. What else has Peter Jackson directed that we are aware of? Spider-Man. Dead Alive. Dead Alive. So obviously he didn't direct this movie, but Dead Alive did come out the following year. So I'll let you draw your own conclusions. I think if Peter Jackson directed this movie, we would have gotten the bloodbath in the gun scene. Absolutely. There would have been blood everywhere for no reason. There would have been blood in their food, apparently. And this would have gotten a slash from me. <laughs> Number three. Re-recording of several lines led to Chucky's lips not quite syncing perfectly with his dialogue. Mm, I'm going to go fiction, but I'm batting real bad tonight, so don't trust me, Paris. <laughs> okay, I'm actually going to go fact because I know of at least two instances where human characters had to re-record their lines and it was very obvious, so I bet it happened with Chucky too. Mm. It may have, but I just made this up. So this one's, this one's a fiction, but in fact, computers were used to help his puppet's lips sync better with his dialogue. And this was the first time this was done for Chucky. Hmm. So not CGI, but computerized puppetry in a way. Also, can we say this is like the worst Chucky's dental situation has ever been? Absolutely. But I don't know. It's the worst it's been since the first one. I don't know about future movies, though. It's probably going to get worse. Number four, this film's production was rushed. It released nine months after Child's Play 2, and it barely scraped by with $7 million in box office profit, leading to the next installment not being made for another seven years. Fact fact i bet this flopped oh yeah this is a fact it had a 13 million dollar budget and it made a little over 20 million dollars at the box office oopsies and number five the film was so rushed don mancini had to begin writing the script two weeks after the release of child's play 2 he stated it was only possible because he had some thrown out ideas left over from the previous film Mm, it's complicated. I think it's uh, fiction when he started writing it, but I think the, probably the ideas were already there because this doesn't really have much to do with the second. Like it, It's just a, an origin of Chucky that you need for this. It does kind of feel like an amalgamation of other Chucky-ish ideas, specifically that garbage truck kill felt just like a random Chucky kill they wanted to throw in there. So I'm going to say fact. This one is a fiction. He was asked to start writing it before the second release. So good job, Brian. He stated it's his least favorite film because he was out of ideas after writing the second one. It was also Brad Dourif's least favorite film. It's also my least favorite Chucky film. <laughs> Wait, Mac, does that mean you're going to be slashing every Chucky movie from here on out? We're going to see. We're going to find out together how it goes one day. If you slash this one and it's your least fave, you simply must. We'll, we'll find out. We have to wait and see. But that has been Factor Fiction. Well, there you have it, folks. Child's Play 3 from 1991 has earned three slashes and one hack. Now, we've had a lot to talk about here, but it doesn't end here by any means. I know we still have a lot of burning thoughts that are written down in our notes that we didn't get to share. So we want to know what you think. Keep in mind, there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.live, or on our social media accounts like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're not afraid of dolls because they're just inanimate objects, you can also reach out to our Hackerslash hotline and tell us about it. You can leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128 or visit hackerslash.live to send us an audio message. Or if your soul is currently embedded in a child's doll, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons like George and Jake. You can visit patreon.com slash hackerslash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. See you next time, folks. And remember, tampering with the mail is a federal offense. Bye. <laughs>